Welcome to Christ and Culture, the podcast of the L. Russ Bush Center for Faith and Culture at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Here we'll explore how the Christian faith intersects all avenues of today's culture through conversations with leading thinkers. Welcome to the conversation. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Christ and Culture podcast. I'm Dr. Ken Keithley, and today we're speaking with Dr. Keith Whitfield. Dr. Whitfield currently serves as Provost and Dean of Graduate Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary here in Wake Forest, where he also teaches Christian theology. Before joining the faculty at Southeastern, he spent several years pastoring, church planting, and training church planters. And his area of interest and expertise is in the subject of theological method. So today, we'll be speaking with him about the role that culture plays in the development of theology. Uh, Dr. Whitfield, thank you for joining us today. It's good to be on the podcast. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yes. Well, when we talk about theological method, um, there are four sources of, of, um, of knowledge in, when we're doing theology that's typically been recognized. Scripture, uh, tradition, experience, reason. Um, scripture for Protestants has a special role. Can you first, let's just start there and talk about what these four modes or these four instruments are and for sources and what relationship do they have with each other? Yeah, I think you said it well when you called them a minute ago, sources of knowledge. I think there are ways in which we know or ways in which we have contact with, with reality, what is. Um, and they do function differently, though, so we don't put them all on the same plane or the same horizon. They, they, don't all, they don't all bring the same thing to the table. So in Protestant, in the Protestant tradition, really in the Christian tradition, but in particular in Protestant tradition, Scripture has been the norm of all norms. That is, it's the authoritative uh, source for our knowledge. And the reason for that is because uh, Scripture is given to us by God who knows all things. Um, and so uh, some of the other ways in which we know we're uh, we're more um, limited by our own perspective. Uh, we are conditioned differently in those other ways of knowing, like our own experience. We're conditioned by our experience. We're sort of in our experience. Yes, it's part of the way in which we come to know reality, but we're limited by that which is our experience. Um, but Scripture is that which is outside of our experience. It's God's revelation to us about who he is and what he's doing in the world. Our reasoning, we have reasoning capacities, but we also reason within the context of our culture and our experience. Uh, we reason in the context of our own tradition. Uh, and so that's limited. Scripture is not limited by in that same way. So that's the reason Scripture is the norm, is because it's God's revealed word to us. Uh, and so there's this uh, parable that I think does a nice job of illustrating this. And people blindfolded are standing around uh, an elephant and touching the elephant and ask the question what is it um, and they have a limited ability to be able to assess that which they're touching because they're blindfolded and they can't see that which they're touching that, that doesn't mean they don't have some notion of what it is it's rough it's it's uh, there's some sort of leathery texture to it or whatever they can talk about that maybe they get the maybe they get the uh, the tusk or even the trunk of the elephant, they're able to assess something about it, but without the full view, they don't know what it is. 
Scripture gives us that view of all things because it's God's revelation of who he is and what he's doing. So I've, I've heard um, some say, and I think I think uh, I think I agree with it, where they'll say, uh, whereas uh, tradition, experience, and reason have a ministerial role uh, in us knowing the truth, uh, Scripture has a magisterial role in that it sits in judgment of all of the conclusions that we derive from these other sources of knowledge. Um, now, and, that, and that's what what the reformers meant when they said sola scriptura. That's right. Not that we only have scripture, but scripture is the final judge and the the one that sits in judgment of all others. You mentioned culture, uh, and um, this would be perhaps an area that has always influenced us. But I think we might be recognizing it uh, more lately than we have in the past. Um, so in what ways does culture inform and affect our theology? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think one of the reasons why it hasn't always been um, as clear to people the impact it is or a part of the conversation, I think there's a number of reasons why, but one of the, the ways that culture functions, um, it's like fish in water. Mm-hmm. It's around you. And you get so accustomed to it, you stop paying attention to it, and it sort of uh, it sort of permeates everything about who you are and the way you think and the experiences you've had and tradition and the way you interpret all of those things. It becomes second nature uh, as the world has changed and the world has gotten flat. And as we've engaged with other cultures, we have begun to understand the impact of those culture, the ways in which we live our lives together in community the ways that we think about things, how it informs even the way we interpret our own experience, the way we reason, and, if we're not careful, the way we interpret the scriptures. And so, um, how, does it, how does it play a role? I think it plays a role in a, in a couple of different ways. One, uh, culture gives us a language. Uh, as, as basic as um, the words and the syntax and the, and the rules, they use the, the words in the syntax. So it gives us language. It also gives us a language in that same words, same t- syntax in a different culture actually has sometimes carries different meaning. At least a different connotation. Different connotation, yeah. right? Um, so um, it, it, it's fairly complex, but culture gives us a language. It gives us a way to articulate what it is that we believe, what we see, what we understand, the conversations we have with other people. Culture also, for us, raises questions. One of the functions of culture is to help us to have contact with reality, and another function of culture is to interrogate, if you will, or to raise questions about the world as we see it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Particularly, we think about um, different forms of culture like art. That's one of the functions of art, literature and movies, is to sort of interrogate the way we see the world and to challenge some of the basic presuppositions. So culture raises questions for us. Um, Sometimes those questions are questions that bring about sort of existential angst, angst about life as it is. Uh, Sometimes those questions are more intellectual or philosophical in nature, Um, but it raises questions. Other things culture does is it it, uh, establishes some sort of philosophical commitment, the way in which you see the world. and this is a neutral thing, and so we have to be careful with it. And finally, 
Um, culture provides some sort of constraints to the way, the way we see things. We have blinders because of the, our cultural context. So there's, there's, there's constraints. So those are at least four different ways that culture informs the way we do theology. Not all of those are equally good, but all of them, I think, are in some ways in play. Yeah, um, I think what you, as I listen to you give uh, that explanation, uh, I was thinking this is this is very missiological. I mean, we're we're talking about um, understanding. Well, in many ways, this is a gift that the mission field gave back to us. No, I think we, that's right. I think we we sent our missionaries to other cultures, and in order for them to to be effective, they had to think in these ways in these categories that we were not compelled to do so. If those of us who simply stayed in our home culture. Uh, and then you have, and I'm thinking particularly somebody like Les, Leslie Newbigin, who came back after spending a lifetime uh, in India to mm-hmm. uh, Western culture to find out that in the 40 years that he was gone in the la- second half of the 20th century, uh, Western culture had changed dramatically. Right. And, and, and he challenged us to think missionally about our own culture and and what how how we should understand our culture, which which kind of brings up the next question I wanted to ask ask you, and that is, um, what would be some of the practical steps that you would suggest that would ensure that we're interpreting culture through the lens of Scripture rather than interpreting Scripture uh, through the lens of culture? In other words, how do we make sure that the tail is not wagging the dog? Yeah, that's a great question. And when we talk about the nature of what culture is, this is a real present concern in that uh, it's around us. It's shaped us. And if we're not careful, uh, we will consume it or we will be consumed by it so that we don't hear the scriptures on their own terms. And so I think there's at least three things to do, and and I think they're fairly basic. Uh, that doesn't mean they're not e- they're super easy or they don't take work, but they're fairly basic. One is to read, read, read the Bible uh, and to continue to read the Bible um, and to be saturated by the scriptures. And as you're reading the scriptures, to try to listen to what the scriptures are saying on its own terms and let the scriptures interpret itself. And you can't allow the scriptures to interpret itself if you've not been uh, one who's been devoted to reading the scriptures over and over and over again. And let the scriptures continue to raise questions. I think another uh, practice is to read other Christian authors and to try to do so from different contexts um, and different traditions. That doesn't mean you agree with them in every place, but they'll raise questions. They'll see things that you may not see uh, that helps you to wrestle with the scriptures as as you're dealing with the scriptures. And I think the other thing is to recognize, and this is what I think... Uh, this conversation helps us do is recognize that we are we're knowers Um, and I'm going to use a big word and I'll explain it Um, we're all in an epistemological project every day and by that epistemological project I just mean we're in the project of seeking to know to know ourselves to know people to know the world Um, we are knowers and this is the journey of the human experience is to know Uh, and so having some I think fairly pedestrian, but some way that you're committed to knowing uh, and that you don't even presume that you know what this 
journey or this um, this invitation of being a knower it, it requires. And I think a couple of things uh, that I would suggest is recognizing that there that Christian knowing is knowing underneath authority. Uh. And this is what we what we're talking about with the scriptures. That God has revealed himself to us. He's given us his word and that we know under his authority and under his word. So that puts us in a certain posture as knowers. We're not the authority. We are under an authority. As another thing I would say is that the, the process of knowing is, is much more like a conversation um, than a, um, a one-to-one sort of exploration and discovery. It's much more like a conversation where you, you come in contact with something, you ask the question, that, that which you come in contact with, it may be an idea, it may be an artifact, it may be a person, there are certain questions that ask back to you, and you engage the conversation. So there's a dialogue. So you're learning as well as, as you're discovering. And, um, and then I'll, a part of this is sort of maybe doesn't have to be said, but it needs, um, I think it's worth articulating, is that it requires a certain level of humility. Um, this whole process is uh, if you're a knower, it means uh, you're seeking to know, but you don't yet know. Um, and so you, there's a certain level of humility to the process. Um, and not only that, is that as you're knowing, you recognize that you don't see yet everything the way it is. And the scriptures tell us this. So are you saying that Robert McNamara was a theologian when he said there are known knowns, and then there's known unknowns, and then there's unknown unknowns? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, absolutely. So and I, and I actually think this makes people nervous, but it's just reality. And what makes them nervous is they may not know something. But that's reality. We're not God. Um, and he's made himself known to us, and he's invited us into a journey to know him and to know the world the way he's created and what he's doing in the world. But we're not him. So there's a certain level of humility. I think back uh, toward of that dialogical process is that what we're seeking to do is discern. Yeah. To see rightly. And this is done in community. It's done in community. This is not... This is not uh, me and my Bible. Right. Uh, this this is this is something that is done uh, with the people of faith. Right. Um, you know, you said that this is done under authority of God's word. Well, we are all you know as 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 Americans, uh, we got our start by rebelling against authority. Uh, we decided that George the Third, we'd had enough of his craziness and that he may be in charge, but we, we, we reject his authority. Um, how do you communicate biblical authority into, in a culture that, that automatically uh, is, is um, predisposed against authority and in recent years is very jaded about institutional uh, institutions? Uh, so how do you speak to a culture that will not want to hear about authority? Southeastern believes it is important to support women as theologians and to equip them for service wherever their calling takes them. If God has called you to the ministry in the church, the academy, or at the home, Southeastern Seminary wants to equip you 
with the tools you need to fulfill your calling. With almost every degree available online, you can get equipped wherever you are today for wherever you're called in the future by visiting sebts.edu. Use the waiver code CHRISTANDCULTURE, all caps, no spaces, and Southeastern will waive your application fee. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I mean, I think it's in some level, um, I think we have to invite people into this process that we're talking about, this epistemological or this process of knowing. Um, and as people take an honest look at what it is, they recognize their own limitations. And so, uh, and I also think we can help people discover that even if they're not coming clean, they all live under some authority. They're, they're looking to something as at least the starting place. They're looking to something as what's defining reality for them. And we can help them discover what that is. Uh, and then we make a case for why we think the scriptures are a better basis or better authority as a starting place. You know, I think the other thing is, is making sure that the Christian community is actually living out its confession when it comes to the authority of scripture as faithfully as it possibly can so that we are modeling a community that lives under the authority of God's word and then are able to demonstrate what that community looks like because they have embraced God's word as his authority and it shaped their life together and uh, how they live their life and their values and all the rest. So we give them something to see and we engage them with their own presuppositions and help them to see that they, even if they don't recognize it right now that probably none of them went back and did the mathematical work theoretical work to figure out what 2 plus 2 equals 4 is Yeah. Uh, no their first grade teacher probably taught them that and that was the, some of the foundation blocks for their understanding of math Yeah. but they've never gone back and done the work and so in some sense we all operate under the authority uh, and we've got to come clean with that yeah and, and I think this goes back to your very point about culture affecting and informing our theology, and it does so in ways that I suspect that the typical Christian hasn't even given much thought to. Which brings up the next question, in what ways would you say that perhaps um, culture has actually, well, first off, let's let's talk about it in the negative sense. In mm-hmm. what ways has culture negatively impacted? And then, uh, and then we want to uh, ask maybe some of the ways that culture has goaded us or prodded us to think in areas that we otherwise might not have. So let's take the first one. Um, what may be some of the ways uh, that might be, uh, culture may be negatively hindering us, uh, negatively affecting us and hindering us as as believers? Yeah, I think there's at least four different, in North America here, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it'd be difficult for us to talk about the entire, uh, the entire world and all the cultures. But yeah. here in North America, and that's even hard because there's different cultures here in North America. Uh, but I think there's at least four ways in which we've been influenced. And if we're not careful, our understanding of what Christianity is will be more colored by these four themes than the scriptures itself. And one is individualism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, oftentimes our, we talk about the doctrine of salvation in very individualistic terms. Um, and I think in part that's because of the cultural reality that um, 
that there are things that owe to us um, that we are independent nobody can tell us what to do um, that we deserve certain things we are on a journey to explore our own to, to accomplish our own goals and purposes and these types of things this sort of individualistic spirit the other one is the sense of progressivism or, or progress mm -hmm. uh, both in the conservative and the progressive sides of our political life progress is still at the heart of it and there's a there's more than just a little bit of chronological snobbery going on there. absolutely yeah and in in the belief that we are we are in a project or um in our in our culture or our country where we are making progress yeah. and we're going to arrive at something um and i you know uh, i think we get uh, sort of chopped down occasionally when we recognize how difficult or how um how corrupt things are and how every time we think we take two steps forward we end up taking four or five steps backwards but that doesn't seem to curb the 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 ambition or the excitement of progress um and i think this uh the cultural reality of progress i think um it confronts the biblical doctrine of eschatology mm -hmm. um so this is one of these places where i think our cultural understanding of progress our aspirations and the bible in terms of what um, the bringing all things to culmination in Christ and what we believe that um, is going to be accomplished in this age uh, in, in our narrative, cultural narrative on progress, just doesn't fit. I think another one is epistemology mm -hmm. or knowing. Um, and that is that in our um, culture, knowing means to be able to have right knowledge of facts, period. Period. And A so very reductionistic Very reductionistic. Yeah. So values are off the table and the value the value or um the 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 um uh, i don't want to keep using the word value but the value of personal knowledge of knowing one another mm -hmm. and what that means and knowing ourselves these things are all these, it doesn't matter it's just uh, knowing facts knowing scientific facts everything's reduced to that so what that leads us to do is we're brains on a stick so it undermines our anthropology um, and, and the way we value um, our, our culture and our communities. And then finally, consumerism. Um, and I think um, that we are seeking to consume everything for our own self. Um, and this goes against Christian ethic as well in the Christian story. So these are at least four ways in which our broader culture is influencing the way we think um, that has impact on our theology. Yeah, I think... and. I think that each of those th areas that you mentioned, I can think of particular examples yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, I received from a friend uh, last week. Um, she sent me her grandmother's copy of Spurgeon's autobiography uh, that uh, was published back in the 1800s, and her grandmother was, was a great fan of Charles Spurgeon. Uh, which is interesting because her grandmother was in the Deep South. Mm. And <clears throat> as you and I know, that during the time of the Civil War, Spurgeon came out very strongly as an abolitionist. And there were a great number of Baptists among the South that decided that Spurgeon no longer spoke to them or spoke right. for them. Right. And, and I think that that is such a, uh, a, a telling example of how people who are of such similar convictions, you know, they here here we're talking Baptist in polity, evangelical in theology, 
and yet it's very clear on the issue of slavery, um, culture and economic concerns really spoke powerfully into their way of thinking. And so, and and yet, I don't I don't know if the parties involved would have admitted that uh, that that they were being because they, they would have said, "No, I'm following scripture." Right. As a matter of fact, they used scripture to buttress or to to support what they were what they believed and what they were doing. Um, and so, I mean, I think one of the real challenges for us when if we allow culture to influence our understanding of what Christianity is and how we read the Bible is that we actually miss the object of Scripture. The object of Scripture is God. Um, not The object of Scripture is not us. Yeah. And Scripture is not written to help us accomplish these things. And that's what oftentimes happens when culture becomes the, um, the narrative or the, the hermeneutic, if you will, of, of reading Scripture. We end up making the story of Scripture after our own image. So I was about to ask you if you thought that you know, evangelicalism has its own particular culture and what would be the characteristics, but I think you just described them uh, pretty well. Um, so if Scripture is the, is the norm, it is the final authority, um, and we are informed by these other areas that... Um, so how does culture, uh, broadly speaking, how does it sometimes goad us or provoke us into... Th- rethinking perhaps some things that we just considered settled? Yeah, those are, that's a great question. And it doesn't in all sorts of different forms because culture comes to us in different forms. And sometimes we think about culture in there, in, reduced to a form. Now, that's not the way we're talking about it right now. We're talking about it in sort of the air that we breathe, the, the, you know, the, the communities that we live in and all that goes along with that. I think you, in asking the question, you sort of answered the question is that culture, I think, interrogates. Mm-hmm. And it does so in all, all of its various forms, and its scientific forms, it interrogates. It brings new ways of interpreting reality. Uh, it brings new ways of thinking about life um, and, and new, new answers to problems. And so it interrogates. Um, literature interrogates. Oftentimes it takes a, a, you know, a time period or an issue and from a different cultural form of a narrative it interrogates the assumptions and the ways of living to help us to see things that may be a different approach to those questions that we just don't see in the same way music does the same thing and so it um, and if we're if we're good listeners to philosophy and science and literature and music and and uh, film and 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 even good uh, observers of art, uh, what can happen is we recognize that our culture has a cry. Um, and our culture has, because what, what they're doing, they're interrogating the, the world as they see it and with this cry. And oftentimes their cry is actually right. Hmm. Um, they're, they're, just they're, 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 they're recognizing something um, is, is not the way it ought to be, That's and they're exactly correct right. about that. That's exactly right. They may be right in, in their their diagnosis, but they're wrong so many times in their prognosis. The, yeah, that's right. They're right in their diagnosis, and sometimes they're right in their analysis of why that the problem is what it is. Um, but oftentimes, though, when they start prescribing that which it should be, um, that's where they don't get it right. Uh, oftentimes, or 
or at least not fully. And one of the reasons for that is because it's the scriptures that tell us the way things should be. Yeah. Um, culture uh, cries. That's uh, that's an interesting uh, thought, and we'll close on that. We've been listening to Dr. Keith Whitfield, a professor of theology and provost at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, thank you for listening to our podcast. By the way, uh, if you like our podcast, and hopefully you do, would you... Um, rate us, give us five stars. And also, if you just write a brief review, we'd appreciate that so much. That will help us get out the word uh, about the Christ and Culture podcast. I'm Ken Keefley, and I'm wishing you a good day.